Welcome to Faith Bible Church's Midweek in the Word podcast, where we are together seeking to become better readers, hearers, and doers of the Word each week. Hello and welcome to another episode of Midweek in the Word. We're glad you're joining us this week. Um, If you're new to the podcast, you don't know me, but if you're a familiar listener, you know that I am Brad Myers, Faith Bible Church's Adult Ministries Pastor and uh, your current host uh, on the podcast. And this week I'm joined again remotely as COVID has has got us in separate locations, but I'm joined by Tom Rempel, our preaching pastor, uh, on what is I think our 46th episode uh, this year, Tom. So welcome. Welcome back. I don't know how many of those you've personally done, but a number of them. But we're glad you're you're back on the podcast. Oh, thanks. And greetings from the uh, Tree of Life Coffee Bar here at the church. I had to change my location this week. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> there we go. Linda Linda decided you needed to be out of the house again. Huh? Or, or are we back at, the, at that point? <laughs> the house of style. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there we go. I know it's uh, it's one of those seasons, so I'm I'm glad we're able to do this from a lot of different locations. We'll we'll make the most of it. So if you're if you're new to the church, listeners, um, or you're new to this podcast, um, I just want to let you know what basically what we've been doing on the podcast is we've been walking along with Tom's sermon series this year. If if you're new again. In a series he's calling Route 66, Snapshots from Genesis to Revelation, uh, where, Tom, you've been looking at major characters one by one all the way through the Bible. And though we're nearing the end of that end of that series, as we've been kind of talking about how to interpret Scripture on the podcast, uh, we've got a few weeks left. So we want to we wanna continue asking the same questions we ask every week, because this last Sunday you were in the books of Acts Timothy and Titus, uh, dealing with two characters, which I believe is the first time you've tackled two characters in your sermon series so far, Timothy and Titus. Uh, is, is that right? Is this the first time you did two? I think it's the first time we've doubled up. We Well, we did uh, we did Zach and Liz. Uh, with oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and Joseph and Mary. But it seemed like yeah, in those cases, we, we tended to emphasize the man over the woman, as it were, in the partnership. Yeah. There, there you go. So two separate individuals, uh, not necessarily together in, in Timothy and Titus, though a lot of similarities that you noted in your sermon on Sunday. Um, so every week on the podcast and every week in your sermon, you are asking the same three questions. What do we learn about God? How does it how does it show us something about ourselves or what do we learn about mankind? And then finally, how does this person or people point us to the person and work of Christ? So first question, Tom, what did we learn about God from the lives of Timothy and Titus? I think for me, the the emphasis that I saw there was God just showing the continuity of his faithfulness and his promises that uh, the emphasis that we made was that there's been a cessation and every leader has been an interim. But uh, even the case where Paul is now handing the baton of ministry truth to the next generation, we still see the faithfulness of God, the continuity of the promises. Hmm. Yeah, I love that you highlighted that idea that, you know, it's it's not about man, it's about what God is doing through us, and every one of us is an interim, and every one of us is charged with making disciples who therefore go on to make more disciples. Mm-hmm. And that unbreakable line um, that, that the church has held is is really, really an encouragement. The, the reminder that we stand on the shoulders of so many saints yep. that have come before us who have faithfully passed the gospel along. It was an encouragement to my heart, for sure. What about what about mankind? What did Timothy and Titus reveal to us about ourselves? 
Well, I think just the emphasis on uh, on discipleship and the reproduction of leaders in the next generation reminds us that uh, every man is yet a work in progress. That uh, there's a there's salvation which comes with re generation. And then there's the sanctification, which is the process of becoming less like me and more like Christ with the anticipation, obviously, of ultimate glorification. But we, I think even in Timothy and Titus and just the way he instructs them to watch his example, become imitators of him as a reminder that none of us is yet complete, but he's not done working in us either. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a good reminder uh, for us, and I'm sure for the body as well. Uh, as shepherds, even under shepherds of Christ, we're we're still sheep. We're still works in progress. That's uh, that's good to remember. Uh, finally, how did this how did this point us to Christ? Well, Paul has to keep reminding them that that Christ is the focal point of the church. He is he is the center of it all, and it it is his, and he's building it. But he also reminded him that he is our living hope. And we, we saw that over and over, I think, in both Paul's reaction to the season of life that he was in and the words of encouragement that he gave to both Timothy and Titus. Hmm. Amen for that. Christ's establishment of the church as the rock and everyone else being built upon that. Uh, I know we talked about that briefly when we talked about the whole passage on Peter and on this rock I will build my church. Um, but good encouragement from the life of Timothy and Titus. Well, Tom, thank you for the message on Sunday. Thank you for all the effort you put into um, teaching on the lives of those two men, uh, on those incredible journeys that that they had. Um, and and like I mentioned, listeners, this last week in the podcast, this this week uh, we're going to take a look at uh, at another genre or literary style in Scripture, what we call the epistles or letters in the Bible. Um, so I want to dive in a little deeper on that today, Tom. Uh, even though this is probably a pretty familiar, or maybe even the most familiar, likely genre to most of our listeners in the Bible, uh, we still want to start from the beginning and make sure we're establishing some some ground roots before we start moving into the the weeds of how to how to talk about this. So what do we mean by the literary style or the genre of epistles in Scripture? Well, these are basically letters, and they seem to have kind of a combined purpose. Uh, they, they always have a relational, personal side to them, but there is also, it seems like they're addressing a principle or a problem that is uh, more corporate, is a broader audience. So uh, it, it's, it's a letter from an individual to a, either an individual or a group of individuals, very specific in mind, but that has broader application to the church. Hmm. And I know sometimes it's even it's even challenging to remember that 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 these letters were written to actual churches to actual people. <laughs> you know, reading them two thousand years later, there's a tendency to kind of forget that idea. Um, but these these were real people with real challenges, real hurts, real theological issues, uh, things like that that the authors are writing to. So you've already mentioned this idea of they are letters, which kind of brings me to the next question I want to ask as far as what are some of the key features or structures that help us know that we're dealing with a letter, that we're dealing with an epistle in the Bible? Well, I think uh, you, you don't read more than just a couple of lines into an epistle and you suddenly realize you, you are in a letter, letter format. It, it usually mm-hmm. begins by a statement about who the author, the writer is, and then uh, perhaps a, a word of greeting. It always seems to include also a who I'm writing to kind of a structure. 
And then there's what we'll just call the body of the letter itself. And then there's a closer that usually goes back to uh, the person that's being addressed or the group and then kind of a, a closing benediction or a doxology. So uh, there's a there's an introduction and a sign off at the end with a body of communication in between. Okay, so for our listeners' sake, we're we're talking very similar structure to what we would find in in letters. I I know maybe we don't write a whole lot of physical letters nowadays, but maybe maybe an email, you know, something where you've got the the who to, the introduction of who's sending it, you know, some sort of brief introduction, the body of the letter, and then some sort of salutation or or closing. So we know we know we're dealing with an epistle when we find that sort of a structure, and typically there are a lot shorter books. Uh, typically, not always. Um, in that way, but just just for the sake of clarity, Tom, then where do we find these in in the Bible? Well, in, in the New Testament, there's at least 21 of those. There's a large group of those, 13 of which were uh, written by uh, the Apostle Paul. Uh, and I was kind of intrigued because we're working on this week's message. Uh, actually, the the Apocalypse, the Revelation, begins in the letter format. You know, write mm-hmm. this, send it to. Uh, so uh, it, it's interesting that um, usually those letters were dictated by the author, written by a secretary or some type, and then at the end, uh, the author would usually put his own signature on maybe another line of greeting or two. Uh, so I, I find that interesting that all of a sudden you get to Revelation, and it is Christ who is doing the dictating, and John. Mm-hmm who is the writer, the, the pen of the thing. So uh, we see it there. And then there's also a few places in the Old Testament where letters were sent, almost epistles, but they're, they're much less structured. Uh, they just kind of pop up there periodically. Mostly then uh, you'll find them uh, after the book of Acts in the, in the canon. Yeah, very, very nice. And I love that you talk about the book of Revelation. Obviously, you'll be you'll be going there this Sunday. We'll be talking a little bit about apocalyptic literature um, next week on the podcast. But a good reminder that, that the book of Revelation, though we tend to think of just the the Revelation, the end times stuff, it's it's written to real churches, written written with that in yeah. mind. Um, good reminder for us, I think. But but uh, let's let's come back to this idea a little bit. Um, what what do you think we? F- what what are the biggest obstacles you think we face when it comes to correctly interpreting these epistles? Though though I would say we're probably the most comfortable with them. We tend to preach out of them the most. We tend to read them the most. Um, but still, we face some obstacles. What do you think we face that that really makes it hard to interpret these books? Well, I would say in my own personal experience and uh, and ministry uh, growth. Uh, Probably the biggest mistake or the biggest obstacle early on was I I think I got lost in the weeds. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we tried to break it down. And I've I've reflected back on 46 years of preaching and going, you know, in the early days, I would do one or two verses a Sunday. And in doing that, I I think that I was keeping the keeping the theme, the big idea, the flow of the letter in mind. Uh, the obstacle was there, there was so much interesting detail in the word selection and all that, that it, it, it almost prevented from really hearing the heart of the author in those days. Hmm. 
So maybe it'd be appropriate to say that's the the density with which, you know, we've talked about narrative in the yeah. past and, and stories really tend to convey kind of one big picture. We have an easier time getting carried along by the the characters and the flow of the plot and, and things like that. We all of a sudden run into these epistles and they are so dense. You know, you can't help but think of, you know, some of the core chapters in the middle of the book of Romans yeah. where you're like, hold on. It's one of those you got to go back and reread the paragraph. And maybe when you've reread the paragraph enough times, you, you forget that that there's the rest of the letter, you know, yeah. because the, yeah. the content is so dense, uh, which is rich, uh, but is also a challenge when it comes to interpreting it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, again, we're back to the coma context, observation, meaning and application. And, and the, the, the danger of reading an epistle is that, that we forget that it also sets in a context. And uh, we, like you said, we get so, so far in and so deep. They're so rich uh, in insight that that we tend to lose our bearings a little bit. Yeah, losing the forest for the trees is a real temptation. Um, any other obstacles you think we face when it comes to interpreting epistles correctly? Well, we have to remember that they were personal letters written in in a time and place, and uh, so you know we have to try to understand what what's the background of the people that are receiving it and the author that is writing it and uh, you know, how, how do we understand the culture and uh, the you know, simple thing uh, so, so many of the writings uh, were in agricultural environments but if you grew up in the city you know just mm. understanding the egg culture uh, changes that I, I think also is trying to trying to understand what what was in the author's mind, uh, you know, what, what was the issue that motivated most of the letters are a response to an issue or a question or a problem that was perceived mm-hmm. in a particular congregation or in somebody's life. And so trying to, trying to step back and say, how, how do I get into the author's mind? And you know, I was thinking of one of uh, the apostle Paul uses, he loves that phrase in Christ and he uses it over and over. And so what, what was what did Paul mean by that? I think those are some of the struggles that we have when we're trying to interpret them. Hmm. Okay, so listeners, a, a reminder again: what Tom is talking about here is is literary context. You know, remembering the the chapters that came before and after when you're reading in any particular book. We've talked about that in the past. Remember what the the author is going for, and also historical context. You know, this reminder that there was an actual person writing it. What was Paul or John or Peter? What was going on in their head? There was an actual audience. You know, what was the church in Corinth or the church in Rome or the church in Galatia struggling with? And remembering those contexts when you go to interpret these epistles. Um, now, Tom, ba- based upon those obstacles, we recognize that we're 2,000 years removed from the writing and we do face some challenges. What are the maybe the most common mistakes you've you've seen people make specifically interpreting passages in these letters? Well, one of them, I think, is that we forget that they're basically, uh, as we would call them, love letters from God. And uh, we default to making them rules, you know, or we, we use them as uh, sticks to, to, to beat people into submission with or something. They're written for relationship purposes. And uh, first and foremost, so uh, you know, we need we need to continue to keep that in mind. We also uh, need to remember that though they were written in a in a time we don't live in anymore, 
they're not open for continual rewriting. That that we mm. we accept the fact that they are the breath of God, a God who does not change, and uh, so we need to be careful that we don't immediately just write it off and say, well, things have changed now culturally, things have changed now, we're more educated, we're more informed, and therefore this this letter can't mean what originally it meant, but it needs to be pliable and flexible. We can we can reinterpret it to fit our time and make it more relevant. I think those are, uh, you see that being done a lot with the, with especially as I, uh, we tend to, I use a highlighter a lot, as you know, when I'm studying. Hmm. We tend to highlight in yellow, but today the contemporary model is when you're reading the epistles, if there's something there you don't like or it cuts across your conscience, you just highlight it with a black marker and just get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. I I love I love your first comment there about the reminder that that they are love letters written in a lot of ways from God, but from also Christians to other Christians. You know, yeah. we we sometimes get we get weighted down again. I think of the book of, of Romans in the dense theology and amazing, you know, eleven chapters of incredible theology uh, from from Paul writing to the the church in Rome. Um, just uh, the the foundation of so much of systematic theology comes from those books, and yet Paul was writing to a church that was struggling with disunity between Jews and Greeks. Yeah. <laughs> the dense theology is because there's a real issue at play, and he's trying to get these people to love each other the way they're supposed to in the church in Rome. Um, yeah, I just I love that that reminder of of what we're about, you know, and God's incredible gift to us. Like you said, the great systematic theology book, and yet he closes it out in the 16th chapter with over 20 personal greetings of yeah. appreciation for people. So yeah, it, it, I think that's the the danger is we forget that it is a relationship. Uh, communication. Yeah, very good. Now, you're also talking about some of kind of the the our natural tendency toward revisions that we don't like, especially in the epistles. You know, we go that was that was just cultural, or that was you know I, I heard the comment made. You know, Paul was just a bigot, or Paul was just sexist, or, or things like that. And so we we want to move out of it. But that's where it's really important for us to begin a putting into place good interpretive principles when it comes to, to, to correctly looking at these books rather than just jettisoning anything we don't like. So, yeah. so what are some key interpretive principles that our listeners can put into play when it comes to reading the New Testament epistles? Well, I think, first of all, we read them uh, literally. We, we read mm-hmm. them as they are written, I think we read them for looking for the big picture. What, what's what is the what is the problem or the issue that the author was addressing? He had a motivation for writing, and so we're we're digging to understand what was that big picture. I, I think uh, some of the other principles again are using the rest of Scripture and other resources to try to get some insight into things like their background, their culture. Uh, you know, how, how, does, how did the author come to be used of God for this purpose? I, th- I think all of those uh, regular background studies before you actually uh, lift out the text and comprehend it, you have to kind of understand the canvas that it's painted against. Mm. 
Well, and listeners, we've recommended it before, but very little does so much help as you know a good study Bible that outlines who's the author, who's the audience, what was going on in this culture. Uh, a Bible handbook, you know, that has a brief description of each Bible book and and who it was going to be written to, things like that. Or we've recommended again and again and again on this podcast the Bible Project videos. Great resource if it comes to you know you're moving into a book like Romans. They do a good job of outlining what was going on in the context, you know, and just stressing that need. Um, so any of those resources would be really key uh, to keep in mind. Um, but that's that's really good advice, Tom. Let me let me try and ask a bit of a follow up question to that then, because one of the things that we recognize is with historical context, especially um, that we are bridging a gap between 21st century America and first century you know, Mediterranean region. Um, And so there's some historical issues, there's some cultural challenges. So we do know that as we read these books, some things are going to be isolated to their culture then, and some things are going to be universal principles that that apply regardless of what culture you find yourself in. Could, Could you help try and give our listeners some advice for trying to figure out why don't greet each other with a holy kiss is, is comparable to handshake, but other things are applied across, across cultures. Well, I, th- I think it comes back again to uh, author's intent. What was, what was the message? What, what was the highlighted intention of the author? And uh, was, was he as concerned about, like you said, the physical expression of greeting or was he concerned about the greeting? I, I, the one that came to my mind as you were saying that was in First Timothy two. I would that men everywhere would lift up holy hands, <laughs> right? You know, and you're thinking, well, you know, the men are tend to be a tad bit more stoic and less expressive. Is he really saying that that men in every church service ought to have both hands up, or is the emphasis on the holiness of the hands? You know, are we lifting mm-hmm. up? Blood-stained hands or pure hands. I mean, uh, so again, it, it, that's the work of not just rushing to conclusion or uh, or, or just immediate. So again, if, if you're not looking at the historic context and the cultural bearing of the letter, you you could misappropriate that or misinterpret it. But the flip side of that is again, it, this this is the very breath of God, and so those. Those moral standards, you know, those truth standards don't change from time to time. And uh, uh, we, we, we have to wrestle with that. Uh, I mean, I, I think that First Timothy uh, 2 and 3 um, and, the, and the role of the gender distinctions within the church is under great assault right now amongst evangelicals even in some confusion. And it's easy just to write off and say, well, you know, in that day and age, uh, one, you know, the Apostle Paul, he was he was obviously prejudiced against women. He wasn't even married. And, you know, I've heard all of those excuses. Yeah. And uh, and so therefore, what he says about God's intention for the order of leadership in the church and all is open for debate. And uh, so, again, he, he gives he gives tips in the context. And there he just says it, it doesn't say as it is in our culture, but he says as it was in the beginning, and he takes us back to Genesis. So all those little in the con in 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 the text clues have to be looked at and weighed and evaluated. Hmm. 
Yeah, I think I think that's really 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 helpful. Like, and I, and we recognize that this is this is a challenging task to undertake. You know, mm-hmm. and at, at times people are gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna disagree and we're gonna wrestle with each other on is is that something specific to the culture or is that something that really applies to every culture? Um, as I think the biggest thing, and and you know we've talked about it a little bit in the past, Tom. You know that that kind of battle for inerrancy, you know, that at one point was waged in Christian circles. If, if, if people are taking the word of God as inerrant, as infallible, as instructive to our lives, um, that, that irons out a lot of the issues. Um, though yep. there is still some, some minor room for disagreement. And obviously we have brothers and sisters in Christ that, that we don't agree with on every nuance, but it really takes care of a lot of the majority of the issues when it comes to, do I like the New Testament or not? Well, that's kind of irrelevant. <laughs> it's the word of God. Uh, how are we going to handle it? That's right. Yeah, I, I agree. We have, to, we have to approach it with respect and uh, letting it be the authority over us rather than us uh, exercising our authority over it. Hmm. Amen. Very good. Well, listeners, I realize this probably isn't as much content as we possibly can cover on these. The epistles are are challenging, and and there's a lot to them. And trying to wrestle through them can be can be both a daunting task and and a very fruitful one as well. But let me attempt to summarize some of what we've said here to to keep it in in the forefront of your mind as you find yourself reading through the epistles. Remember that these are letters. That's a really important note to keep in mind. They were written by a real person in a real context in a real time to an audience or an individual that was a real person, real people, a real church in a real time. And so they're written for specific purposes. So you've got to remember historical context. A little bit of reading in a Bible handbook or a study Bible, something like that, goes a long way to understanding what the author was trying to convey. Um, But also remember, don't lose the forest for the trees. There's a literary context as well that what the verses that you're reading are set in. Um, So Paul writing to the Romans is concerned with unity between Jews and Greeks especially, and remembering that that big theme drives the individual smaller passages. Um, what, What I've always heard is, remember the larger context will inform the smaller context. Make sure that's that's a highlight for you. And then recognize that you've probably got some some cultural, some issues, some some glasses that you see the world through that the New Testament epistles are really going to challenge. And so rather than being quick to quick to write off the parts of the books that maybe you don't like, we encourage you to really dive in and try and understand what is going on in the culture and what is apl- applicable to us regardless of where we are, regardless of when we're reading as New Testament believers, and do that work to try and understand the message of these books in the New Testament. Fi- any, any final thoughts on this subject, Tom, for our listeners? Well, just I would add one thing. We, I think early on we mentioned the Holman Illustrated Bible Handbook, and I have yes. found that it is a it is a incredibly helpful resource when you're wrestling with understanding those kind of cultural geographic background things. And then the other is that one of my uh, granddaughters uh, yesterday put on social media this great uh, quote: "said God is not going to rewrite His Word." for your generation. Stop trying to change scripture when it's written to change you. And I just mm-hmm. think that's, that's the key. He has written these relational letters so that our lives and our hearts and our attitudes might be transformed for his glory. Amen. Amen. Good thought. 
Well, Tom, that is it for the epistles this week, um, because you, you've got another message this coming Sunday, and and this may come as a surprise for our listeners, but you are back to the Apostle John. You're going to be doing the Apostle John again, who you've already covered. Can you explain why you're coming back around to John on Sunday? Well, it's interesting. John writes the Gospels, and he talks backward about we beheld his glory then he writes three letters, and he talks about the present application of a relationship with that Christ that was revealed in the Gospels. And then Revelation, he cast the shadow forward and said, here is the coming Christ again. So with the three different perspectives, views by one author, we just couldn't let him slide with only one message. Hmm. So you're going to be finding yourself prim- or yourself primarily in the book of Revelation, yeah. uh, you know, John's revelation from Christ. Uh, what are you looking forward to preaching on on Sunday? Well, uh, there's a lot of us that don't like to go to the movie unless we know that it has a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the book of Revelation and the writing of John tells us that we win. In the end, we know the end of the story. Uh, the downside is, We also know some of the upheaval that lies between where we are and where we will ultimately be. So I'm looking forward to just kind of preaching that message of hope and confidence that God's purposes are still being fulfilled. Yeah. I know we tend to we tend to get in the weeds a bit in the book of Revelation, which can be fun and challenging. um, But Jesus wins and we win with him. Good reminder. Okay, here's here's the question. I know we can't go into it probably. Any interpretive questions you're wrestling with from the book of Revelation um, this week? Well, if I, if I can stay away from the Daniel and Ezekiel tort of uh, portrait <laughs> and uh, things, I, I think the, the the big picture view is is the how, how do how do we understand this one writing? Like I said, it begins as an epistle. You know, take this down, yeah. write it, and send it to these churches. And so how, how do we just keep it all glued together and not get lost, as we said earlier, in the weeds? Hmm. Yeah, and listeners, next week we are, we are hoping to cover the, the genre of, of this sort of uh, apocalyptic literature that we see in the book of Revelation. We won't answer all your questions on the book of Revelation. Tom will not answer all your questions, I'm sure, on Sunday in his message. Um, but there's great there's great value in reading the book of Revelation, and I, I mean even even says it in the book of Revelation. Uh, so finally, how can we prepare our hearts for the message of this book, Tom? Well, I think that's uh, you you hit it when you said that. You know, blessed is he that reads these words, and I think that's uh, the thing. You know, just just read uh, Revelation. At least begin reading Revelation, knowing that that it again is a relationship book, is a love letter from God to us. Uh, to meant to calm our hearts and to build our confidence and uh, and anticipate that we are going to end with incredible hope. Hmm. Thankfully, that verse does not say you're only blessed if you get everything figured out and have all the images <laughs> squared away. Uh, there's still blessing in it for us, and we'll look forward to that message on Sunday. Tom, thanks for your willingness to jump in on what I know is a challenging book for many people to teach on. And thank you, listeners, for joining us this week on the podcast, for joining us for another episode. Remember, if you're following along in the weekly reading, reading along with Tom, you've got Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. And if you run into any questions, we'd love to hear from you on those questions as you read. Just go ahead and email those to me or Tom. Uh, My email address is bradm at fbclnk.org. 
and Tom's is Tom R at the same fbc.l or lnk.org. We'd love to hear your questions as you're reading along. Um, and then if you're looking for more information on this genre of the epistles, uh, the Bible Project's got another great video on this in their How to Read the Bible series. It's entitled New Testament Letters, Literary Context. Some really good encouragement um, from those videos. We'd encourage you to check it out. We'll embed it. Uh, on our website and give you the link on the podcast as well. And uh, keep in mind that if this podcast or this episode has been helpful to you, please share it, comment on it, rate it, uh, help others find it if it's an encouragement to you. And lastly, just know uh, that as you read your Bibles this week, as you get ready for Tom's message on John and Revelation on Sunday, we and the elders will be praying for you, uh, praying that God would reveal his heart, remind you that it's a love letter from him uh, to you as you interpret the Bible this week. And we do hope you join us again next week for Midweek in the Word. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. As you're reading this week, be encouraged by the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth.